Today on Filmmaker Freedom, we're going to kill one of the sacred cows of indie filmmaking culture, the film festival. Point by point, we're going to dissect why film festivals really aren't all they're cracked up to be, especially if your goal is to actually, you know, make some money with your work. In fact, by the time you get to the end of this episode, you might just be convinced, like I am, that a vast majority of festivals are a complete waste of your time and your energy and your money. So let's get to it. Hey friend, welcome to Filmmaker Freedom. This is a show for ambitious indie filmmakers who want to make work they're proud of, build audiences, cut out the middlemen, and earn a damn good living selling directly to their fans. My name is Rob Hardy, and I'm a filmmaker and marketing consultant who's worked with a number of brands and startups to help them connect with online audiences and grow their business. Though I'd initially given up on the idea of making a living with indie films, after years of working in the world of marketing, I saw that many of the strategies that worked for other types of companies could be applied to indie film, with a few tweaks, of course. So that's what these solo episodes of Filmmaker Freedom are a living, breathing document of everything I've learned about marketing, entrepreneurship, creating work that resonates, and living a good life. And one last thing before we begin, I just want to thank my good friends over at Musicvine for sponsoring this show. Over the years, I've used just about every music licensing platform out there, and I can say without hesitation that Musicvine is at the very top of my list. The quality and uniqueness of the music are outstanding, the prices are reasonable, and the design and functionality of their website are second to none. It's just a pure pleasure to use. So if you're a discerning filmmaker who needs quality music, just go to musicvine.com and use the code FILMFREEDOM for 25% off your next order. All right, now let's get into the practical lesson at the heart of today's episode. So let's start this off with a few facts that I'm pretty sure we can all agree on. So for starters, there was a stretch of time, mostly like the late 1980s through the early 2000s, where film festivals really probably could be considered a viable strategy for making money with indie films. And in fact, many of the filmmakers that we all like know and look up to very likely got their start in that system and in that atmosphere. But things have really changed rather dramatically over the last 15 years. So not only has the domestic market for indie films really largely collapsed, like it's still there, but it's on life support. And not only are there exponentially more films being made each year, thanks to cheap digital technology, which is awesome. But in addition to all of that, there are now thousands upon thousands of film festivals all competing for your submission dollars. And on top of all of that, it's now possible to reach audiences yourself and make a living completely outside that a traditional distribution system, which is really what this whole podcast is about now. Um, The point is, even though there was once a time where festivals were the best, most effective way forward for indie filmmakers, the world has changed in ways that um, make that whole equation not particularly true anymore. So let's get into the details of this thing. And I will tell you straight up that there is still some money to be made as a filmmaker in the realm of high-end indie features. 
And granted, it's there's never any guarantee, and you never know when you're going to hit a home run, as many indie films, even the quality ones, end up losing money. But with that said, every year, especially at some of the big festivals like Sundance and such, um, we get news of indie films being acquired for pretty substantial amounts of money. And then, of course, these deals get covered extensively in the trade publications and indie film blogs and all of that kind of stuff. And the effect of this is that it makes a lot of us think that this is still a viable path for our films. But what we never hear about are the thousands upon thousands of films vying for that same outcome that didn't get it. And in the world of psychology, this is called survivorship bias. And that's when we only hear about rare winners in a system that doesn't work for the vast majority of people. But then we still form a worldview and a strategy around those winners, despite the fact that the evidence and the data doesn't point to that being an effective strategy. And really, that's the whole point of this episode. We're trying to combat the survivorship bias that leads many of us to think that film festivals are still the best path forward for us as indie filmmakers. And the best place to start here is the the not-so-secret truth about these lucrative deals. So for starters, if you want to compete at that level, you need to make a film, make a product that's substantially better than the vast majority of what else is on the festival circuit. And I don't mean to kill anybody's dreams or their expectations of what their film will be, but most of those films at the top tier have budgets ranging from a million to 20 million. Like that's still considered indie in this world. And since most of us are working with tiny little micro budgets or maybe no budget whatsoever, it's almost nearly impossible for us to compete at that level um, from the start. Now, that's not to say that it's impossible to compete, but unless you've got like a lightning in a bottle project, like the Blair Witch Project or something like that, you're very likely not going to be able to make it in that system from the start. Um, because like the Blair Witch, for instance, that's an extraordinarily rare exception and not the rule. So that's the first thing to consider is the quality of your project compared to what else is out there on the market. Next, for these types of like mega deals that you always hear about, you really have to get into one of the top tier festivals. And we're going to talk about some of the smaller festivals later on. But for now, um, just know that these really big deals tend to only happen at major festivals like Sundance and Cannes and Telluride and Toronto and maybe a handful of others. And at this point, I think we all know just how difficult these are to get into. Statistically speaking, you probably have a better chance at getting accepted into Harvard than you do at getting into Sundance. There are so few slots available, uh, many of which are actually taken before programmers even start considering outside submissions. There's all sorts of like inside baseball that happens um, that eats up those spots before they're ever made available to the public. And on top of that, there are just so many submissions, thousands upon thousands of submissions, many of which are extremely high quality. And when you take that into consideration, our chances, especially with smaller micro-budget projects, our, our chances are hilariously slim for getting into these top-tier festivals. Now, here's the kicker on all of this. Even if you manage to get into a top-tier festival, congratulations, it's awesome if you do, but even if that's the case, a lucrative deal is anything but a guarantee. Truth is, there are hundreds of features every year that play big festivals that don't end up getting acquired, and then they languish in obscurity after their festival run, never really making their money back. 
In fact, this is the reality for a solid majority of festival films, even the ones that generate buzz and get great reviews at the festivals. Um, and this happens because the market is completely saturated with content right now. And even quality projects with big name talent that screen at big festivals, a lot of them end up failing financially. So the point of all of this is that it's not impossible to earn great money within this whole system, but it's a bit like having to win the lottery twice. Once just to get into one of these festivals and once to actually land one of those lucrative deals. Not to mention that the cost of the first lottery ticket is having a film that's good enough to actually compete at that level, which means you likely have financial backing in the millions of dollars already, which probably counts out 90% of us from the get-go. Now, in no other field of business or media or anything where people are trying to make money, would those odds of success be acceptable? In fact, they'd probably be laughable if you tried to go to investors with that kind of pipeline for getting your film out into the world. But in the indie film community, we've been treating this whole system, this whole process, like it's the best path forward for decades now, even though that's clearly not true anymore and we're just gambling at this point. Now, towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about the real role of festivals in the modern film landscape. But first, there's another question to consider here. And that's the role of smaller festivals and smaller distributors. Because you might be asking, aren't those still worthwhile? Aren't those still worth considering for indie filmmakers? And though this is a complicated question, we've actually talked about it a little bit before in previous episodes. But the big points that you need to know are, first of all, it's really not hard to get into festivals anymore. It's pretty damn easy. Because again, there are thousands of festivals now, and many of them are super specialized or super niche, um, which makes it easier to get into those if you have a niche product or a specialized product. And frankly, many of them also have really, really, really low standards, which means they'll screen basically anything as long as it's somewhat competently made. Basically, if you apply enough, if you spend enough money on submission fees, you will get into festivals and you will be able to get those cool laurels that you can put on your poster. And you might even get into a lot of festivals with this strategy. Um, they just won't be the ones where those big lucrative deals are happening. And that brings me to the second point here. If you screen at a few festivals, even the smaller, less well-known ones, you almost certainly will get offered a distribution deal, or you might get offered deals from sales agents or any number of people who are involved in the distribution system. But again, as we talked about in some of the prior episodes, these deals, for lack of a better way to put it, are very often shady and predatory and not worth your time. Because truth is, there are a lot of bottom-feeding distributors who use the festival circuit as a means to snatch up films for pennies on the dollar, if they even pay you anything up front, which very often they don't. Um, and then they don't pay anything out on the back end. There's all sorts of creative ways they use to do that, even if they are making money from your film. Granted, not all small distributors are bad, and you, you can indeed strike worthwhile deals on the festival circuit if you're careful and if you do your due diligence. Just know that it's really a major uphill battle. So what's the big point of all of this? For me, the point is that film festivals are just not a viable business plan. They're not a viable way to reliably make money. Because in a real business plan, you outline what your product is, how it fits into the market, what the reach and revenue potential is for that niche or that market. You also outline how you're going to reach those particular people, like the actual strategies and tactics you'll try for achieving business results. 
basically a business plan is a well-informed hypothesis about how you can make real money, about how you can create a product that interfaces with the market and creates business and creates revenue. Film festivals, on the other hand, are basically akin to buying a lottery ticket. It's hoping and praying for money to magically appear and come to you instead of doing the really hard, grungy work of making it happen yourself. Not only that, it's kind of putting all your hopes and dreams into this broken, ineffective system that basically works for no one except for a handful of people up at the top, like we, like we mentioned earlier. And I honestly can't think of a better way to end up feeling disheartened and frustrated and like you're just not cut out to do this filmmaking thing in a profitable way. Like this whole system is, is basically designed to get you to feel that way and think that way while slowly and surely draining you of all the money that you have. Now, if you do genuinely care and desire to make money with your films, you really need to start thinking outside of the box. Just because filmmakers have been relying on this system for decades now doesn't mean you have to follow along because, as you know, it is a broken system. So we're not going to get into the alternatives for this right now because that's basically what this whole podcast is about. However, if you really want some concrete next steps on this one, go back and listen to the episode called How to Make Indie Film a Viable Business as that one will get you pointed in the right direction to start thinking strategically about your films as a business. Now, before we wrap this up, I do want to take a little bit of time to talk about the what I think is the proper role of festivals in the modern ecosystem. Because as much as I'm bashing on festivals here, I don't think they're worthless at all. In fact, there are some very, very good uses for them that can help sort of propel you forward in your career or just create like emotional validation or whatever. So the first thing I'd mention in this context is that festivals are far and away, hands down, one of the best ways to build your network. Now, obviously, the the bigger festivals, the more prestigious festivals have um, more of an industry presence. So if you're looking to meet an agent or make various types of valuable business connections, um, that can happen at those types of festivals. With that said, though, don't write off the, the smaller local regional festivals, because it's equally as important to have a strong network of ambitious local filmmakers on your side. So even if you're not submitting a film, like I still very much recommend going to those types of festivals because you're going to meet people who are making things and who are getting those things out into the world. And those are the people you want in your corner. Those are the people you want strong relationships with. Because again, filmmaking is a team sport. And especially in the indie world, you have to do it as a community. And film festivals are just such a fertile ground for building those communities, for getting the raw material to build those communities. So that's the first thing is just using festivals as a networking mechanism. And the second one is seeing your film in a theater setting and in front of an audience is really, really valuable. For me, there's nothing quite like seeing something that you made that you poured your heart and soul into up on the big screen. And then also sort of seeing and hearing how the audience reacts in real time. Like that is super valuable feedback as a filmmaker. And frankly, I think that's an experience that all of us should have at one point, even if it's just for like a short film and you screen it at a small little dinky theater or you screen it at a community center or something like it's still very, very valuable. That said, if festivals are your best option to get that experience, go for it because it's absolutely worth it to do that. Now, the only thing I'd sort of add in addition to that is that you should at least consider trying to rent out or maybe do a revenue split with a local indie theater. It's not always possible depending on where you live, 
Um, but you could very well, with a little bit of legwork, make some money from screening your film as opposed to having to pay to submit to a festival and then you play the waiting game to see if you actually got in. Um, you can be a little bit more proactive about this and just screen locally on your own dime and maybe make some money. So consider that if it's something that you're willing to go after. The final consideration I'd say that's worth making here is that niche film festivals and those specialized film festivals that we mentioned earlier, they can actually be um, maybe a bit of a goldmine for audience engagement and acquisition. So if you've listened to the other episodes of this show, you know that one of the core tenets of self-distribution is making specific niche films for niche audiences. So that might be horror or LGBT or Christian films or Jewish films. They're like, there are all sorts of different niches that you can tackle. And we're going to cover this in future episodes. But if there happen to be festivals that directly serve those niches, and the previous ones I just mentioned, there are totally festivals that program films just for those audiences. So if you're a filmmaker who makes that type of niche content, it's a no-brainer for you to submit to those. Not to mention it's going to be easier for you to get in because your content is so niche and so specific. And when you get into those fests, you're basically interfacing with your audience. You can, you can actually talk to people. You can get real feedback. You can, get, you can get these people onto your email list in various ways. So there's a real business case to be made for these types of niche festivals if your work is a good fit. Like it, you can help you build a long-term audience and get feedback that's invaluable. So those are the three ways that I really see film festivals being a valuable use of your time and money going forward. So uh, yeah, that's all I've got for you today. And hopefully you're now looking a bit more skeptically at film festivals because I know we're all sort of living in this ecosystem and in this culture where we, where we see festivals as the pinnacle of success if it's a big festival or the path to success if it's some of the smaller ones. But hopefully after listening to this episode, you know that it's just not a, a viable business plan. It's really about hoping and praying and hoping you don't get taken advantage of. Now, luckily, there are better ways forward for indie filmmakers, ways that are cheaper to access, more predictable, more profitable, and just better business all around. And again, that's what you'll learn about in the other episodes of this podcast. So that's what I want to leave you with, is just get out there and make your own path. The old one, the festival one, might be a bit broken and ineffective, but there's still so much potential now for doing it yourself, for making work you're proud of, for getting in front of an audience, and actually making some money. So good luck to you and Godspeed. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to revisit the ideas in today's episode, you can find the transcribed version as well as the full archive of shows over at filmfreedomshow.com. And while you're there, feel free to browse around the Filmmaker Freedom website and check out some of the other rad content, including the weekly newsletter. Every Sunday morning, I send out a variety of the most useful, inspiring, thought-provoking stories I've come across that week, as well as some other cool stuff. It'll help you build your skills, master your psychology, and keep up with this ever-changing business. So if you're ready for an email that you'll actually look forward to each week, just head over to filmfreedomshow.com newsletter. Also, if the ideas in this show resonate with you, you're a great candidate for Freedom Fighters, which is my private community just for entrepreneurial indie filmmakers. 
It's totally free to join, but there is an application process to get in. So if you're interested in surrounding yourself with a group of like-minded entrepreneurial filmmakers who will push you to succeed and help you grow, just go to filmfreedomshow.com slash community. And lastly, I'd just like to give one more shout out to my friends over at Music Vine for sponsoring this show. The groovy intro and outro music came straight from their library, of course, and there is loads more where that came from. So if you're a discerning filmmaker who needs quality music, just go to musicvine.com and use the code FILMFREEDOM for 25% off your next order. Once again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will see you in the next episode of Filmmaker Freedom. Peace. Peace.